Hello, welcome to The Opinionistics. I'm your host, John Milone, and we'll potentially have co-hosts. But if not, just go with the flow, like we always do. Introducing from Alberta, Canada, Lynn Harley. Hello, listeners, and hello, Peter. Hello there. So, what do you do? What do I do? I work as a transformational life coach, and I just authored my first uh, story, which was published this summer, a children's story called What If You Could? And it's basically the children's version of what I coach adults through. Oh, tell us more about that. I'm interested to know. Okay, well, first of all, what I teach is that transformation is really an art and a science. It's not happenstance. And it all begins with us having a vision, which is the art. And then there are universal principles that if we know how to work with them, absolutely lead us on the road to transformation. So this book is about a little caterpillar. And we know the science in nature that a caterpillar, if the conditions are right, will become a butterfly. So in this book, the only thing that differentiates this caterpillar from all the other ones is that this caterpillar can think. And as he thinks for what he would desire, he wants more than just being on a branch, which again is really the truth of who we are. We're always being called to become more, to grow. He starts to have a beautiful vision that he'd love to fly. He'd love to eat more than leaves. He'd love to be going around the world. And he just has this lovely vision of what his life could be. And when he falls asleep into this and wakes up, he realizes that nothing's changed. And all of a sudden, he's kind of left that beautiful vision and he's hearing from a voice inside of him that's going, well, who do you think you are? Flying and drinking nectar? You know, ha, how's that going to happen? And I just think it's the most amazing analogy because if you really think about a caterpillar on a branch, the fact that it can become a butterfly is pretty audacious, right? Uh-huh. And yet when we have dreams for something more for ourselves, we often think that this dream is way too big. How's it ever going to happen? And we allow that voice within us to shut us down before we ever get a chance to really live into our vision. Hmm. Okay. Very nice. And what made you wanting to become an author? Well, it's interesting. I actually lived into a what if, if, what if I could this summer. And one of the things that I did this summer was actually cycle through a good chunk of Canada, almost 2000 kilometers to promote my book and to share my message of transformation. And I don't know if I ever consciously decided that I wanted to be an author. I would have to say that this book was kind of like a download. Again, given what I coach, you know, I was thinking about, again, the perfection of nature. Nature just knows how to become. An acorn with the right conditions will become an oak tree. A caterpillar, you know, with the right conditions will become a butterfly. And so this, um, I just thought it was a beautiful story to really, you know, to really, um, what's the word I want to say? Um, I think encourage people that when they have a big dream, it's not ridiculous. It's really this desire for us to grow and have more. And it's in all of us. And often though, you know, we kind of get caught up in the conditions. That little caterpillar is looking down at the ground. You know, he's tied to his conditions. 
all he can see is what's in front of him, you know, same old, same old, same old leaves day after day. And as adults, we kind of get caught into that with our life, right? Go to the same job, even if it doesn't really light us up, um, just kind of do what we think we need to do to get by. And really, you know, not we don't do this on purpose. I think that we're all conditioned. And I mean, my hand is up there to stop believing, you know, that we can have a really big life. And it happens often through well-meaning teachers or parents or just conditioning. You know, sometimes around age eight or nine, we kids hear, oh, get your head out of the clouds. Don't daydream. You know, you're never going to make it as an artist. So, so, you know, there's messages that come at us, you know, through, through all our lives. And I think that um, what I want this book to do is to just really open up um, not just children, but youth. I mean, this book is being given to adults for gifts. Anytime we're getting ready to leave our comfort zone, we're going to be hearing from the voice that's not very nice, that doesn't encourage us, that usually shuts us down and ultimately wants us to stay safe. And yet there's so much more. And what I've learned in my lifetime, and especially this summer, that really everything we want is on the other side of fear. Incredible. Thank you. And what, you're welcome. And what, what other great things have you done in your life? Oh, what other great things? Well, I'm, uh, I'm a sage. I'm in my 60s. And so I would say, actually, if I want to share a little bit about my journey, I'm actually a cancer survivor from many years ago. I was in my early 40s when I was diagnosed with cancer. And I think for me, that was a life defining moment, too. And I think, you know, often um, it's something painful that calls us to grow. And so if you're going through something, you know, that feels a little adverse right now or is hard to deal with, often this can be a real opportunity to lean in and to, you know, live into a bigger version of yourself. And I had a kind of a life defining moment years ago when I just decided, you know what, I don't want to just survive anymore. I want to thrive. And so I was introduced to the principles that I coach now. And it really is about learning to live from a vision. If we don't have that vision pulling us, it's really easy to collapse back and just allow sort of what we're in in the moment to keep us kind of where we are. So I've had some, I don't know, I set a vision years ago and I'm just getting ready to do a, a workshop called What If You Could, you know, and, and three keys to transforming new results. And my first what if I what could was would I live? What if I could live? That's when I was diagnosed with cancer. And I created this beautiful vision of, you know, wanting to see my young children graduate and wanting to travel and wanting to be so healthy that I'd be like running marathons. So that was my measuring stick. That was my big, big vision. You know what? And I have to say that when I started to live from that vision, it all came together. 18 months after my second diagnosis with cancer, I crossed the finish line at the Disney World Marathon and my kids were at the finish line. You know, and I've gone on to have some phenomenal travel experiences and volunteered in different parts of the world. And now I'm working, you know, with people and supporting them to live into a life they would love. Okay. Incredible. Thank you. You're welcome. <coughs> oh, yeah. And uh, I also heard you've been an advocate for youth mental health and wellness. 
Yeah. So this dream I had this past summer with the book really morphed as a result of, again, another, um, you know, challenging circumstance in my life. My brother actually passed five years ago and he struggled his whole adult life with mental health. And so when I wrote this book, you know, I really thought the message in it, first of all, is that we all live on a spectrum of mental health. I realized that when I've had those low times in my life, I'm, you know, I'm not operating at my best. And so when my brother died and my mom died within a very short period of time, I really had a period of grief. I mean, I was bereft and I had to do my grief work. But as I came out of it and this book was, I'm going to say, inspired, I just thought, you know what, when we live with mental health and wellness, we're more easily able to discern that voice that is for us. And so my message in terms of talking about mental health is I think, first of all, we need to normalize that voice that's not very nice. So I'm going to ask you, Peter, have you ever heard from that voice that says, who do you think you are? Ever? Yeah. Okay. So that's, that's what I'm trying to just, first of all, normalize is that that voice is there no matter what. And it's interesting, I've got three adult sons now. I'm thrilled to say they were young boys when I was diagnosed with cancer. And just recently, my, my middle son and I were having a conversation on the phone, and he's got a teenage son now. And he said, you know, Mom, I think the most important thing that you ever taught me was that I don't have to listen to that voice that's not very nice. And I love that. And I think that this is the message that I really want to share with the world is that voice is going to be a player. It's going to show up, especially when you decide you're going to do something that's bigger than what you know. But there's also this inside voice, this still small voice that wants us to become all that we can be, you know, the, the potential to be that oak tree, to be that butterfly. And we need to really sort of put that other voice on the back burner and lean into the voice that says, but what if you could? And then the second part of this is really leaning into believing that the way will be made. So when we set big dreams and, and have goals and visions for ourselves, the other thing that usually sets, you know, shuts us down is that we think, well, how's that ever going to happen? And right away, we think that we're the ones that have to figure the whole, the whole formula out. And it couldn't be further from the truth. You know, it's like if you're driving from one city to another at nighttime, all you need to see is as far as your headlights take you. You know, you turn a corner in the dark and you see the next stretch of highway. And really, when you're living from a vision and you're really holding that vision in your mind, that's exactly how it unfolds. So this summer, I set the very audacious goal to ride my bike across four provinces to promote my book and to also speak to mental health and wellness. And I had no idea how that would pan out. I didn't even know when I set out if I was going to make it. But I realized as I put a PowerPoint together recently that, you know what, everything happened in perfect and divine timing. And all I needed to do every day was really get on my bike and trust that deep within inside me, this voice that said, what if you could? So and and there's a rigor to this. You know, it sounds kind of simple just having this conversation you know, in your podcast, but I work with people inside structures of support, you know, for, you know, a good period of time, because we are reprogramming, you know, 
kind of a mindset that's been in operation for a long time. And most of what we think is often operating at the unconscious level. So the work is really bringing up to the surface and shining the light of awareness on those patterns of thinking that just don't support us to really, you know, become all that we can be. Interesting. So where do you see yourself 20 years from now? Ooh, well, I'm going to be, uh, <laughs> in 20 years, I'll be 87. So I would like to say in 20 years that I see myself First of all, leaving this beautiful legacy in the world and supporting people to live into their best lives. I have a vision of myself being healthy and strong and mentally clear and um, still able to contribute, you know, in, in however I feel guided, I think, as I progress here. So again, you know, I've just accomplished this what felt like a very big and audacious goal. I've also set a very big goal to raise um, $100,000 for the organization that supports youth mental health. And I'm also donating a portion of my book sales. So every book that sells for as long as it's alive and well, this book will be donated into the organization jack.org. And I just want to also share, even though this is an organization within Canada, the, um, their web is www.jack.org and they have phenomenal resources that are available to anyone anywhere in the world. So if there's somebody out there that's either supporting somebody who's maybe um, struggling with mental health and wellness, or you might even wonder, you know, how you're doing, there's some really great resources to help you tap into, you know, your own mental health and how you can support and, um, encourage other people to reach out and get the support they need. Fabulous. Thank That's you. Nice. Welcome. So what, what is the one thing that you like about your local area? That I love about living in Alberta? Well, I just moved here actually three years ago from another province. And what I love about my area is um, I just live in a really pretty city. First of all, there's only about 20,000 people here. So I love the fact that I can be everywhere in six minutes. That's kind of what my Google tells me. And uh, still have a beautiful sense of small town. So people are very friendly. You know, you, if you're walking, they smile at you. Um, yeah, I just was thinking last night, even Halloween, you know, all the little kids that came to my door, they were well-mannered and they were big thank yous and happy Halloweens. And uh, I just really do love the area I'm in. It's beautiful in terms of, you know, opportunities to get to nature. I like to kayak. I like to hike. I like to snowshoe. I like to cross-country ski. And I have all of those opportunities really outside my door. Okay. Nice, nice. And you I love, no, sorry, I was just going to say, and I also love the fact that, um, and I guess this is one of the things that has happened even a bigger way as a result of the pandemic, but here, look at us, we're having a conversation in two different countries. So I love the fact that I can basically be working with anyone anywhere and it can be happening virtually now. So that, in a, you know, that's really a gift. That's nice. 
Yeah. Do you have Do you have a travel often? Do I travel often? Actually, I don't really travel often, not for work. I mean, I could, there's opportunities, but I was gone for three months this summer, actually on my bike. <laughs> so I've only been home for about six weeks and I'm just uh, kind of relishing the fact that I'm not sleeping in a tent many nights and then I'm not on my bike. And uh, uh, I have traveled a lot though, worldwide up until probably the pandemic. And, um, you know, now it's not, I don't really have a desire to go really far away. I might take a warm winter holiday this winter. I did last year, but um, I have been to like numerous countries that, you know, involved long, long uh, flights in the air and, and big time changes. And so I really do feel grateful for the travel experiences and opportunities to get to know about other people and cultures that I've been able to experience up until now. Hmm. Okay. Fabulous. What is your favorite ice cream topping? Oh, my favorite ice cream topping. Mm. Almonds and chocolate syrup. Oh, fabulous. Yes. That was easy. <laughs> oh, yes, it sure is. What's yours? Well, I, I, I'm a more open guy with toppings. Uh, I like a bit of sprinkles and a bit of chocolate and syrup or whatever. And something uh, minty along with that. And yeah, it's uh, interesting. <laughs> yeah, there's certainly an opportunity for many options. Yep. If you if you had a song for every time you enter the room, what song would that be? Hmm. I love Johnny Reed. I don't know if people listeners in 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 um, the UK know of him, but he's got a beautiful song called "Today." I think I'm going to change the world, and I think that every one of us has the opportunity. You know, it might just be in our circle of friends. It's how we're showing up every day. It may be just. Um, you know, leaving somebody feeling better than how we met them. It doesn't have to be big, but I believe they know that there's, there's, um, there's light in all of us if we have the opportunity to let it shine. So I think it's just um, something that we can all do is help other people shine their lights in the world. Fabulous. What is the one app that you hate so much, but you still use it anyway? Oh, did you say app? Oh, well, yeah. I'm just going to have to say technology in general can throw me into a tailspin. So I have, you know, and I don't think I have the patience to learn. Um, so I'd have to say that it's not so much always an app that sends me into a tailspin. It's my, um, I guess, my frustration at my inability to know how to do something well quickly. And I'm just at the point now where I'm learning it's easier for me to try and find people to support me to do that than to expend way too much energy on something that causes me frustration. Oh, yes. So would you rather have an agility of a cat or breathe underwater? Hmm. I think I like the agility of a cat, especially as my body gets older. <laughs> hmm. Okay. Interesting choice. 
What is the one thing you can't live without? Mm, I'd have to say my morning coffee is pretty important to me. Ah, uh, of course. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> did you have did you have any role models growing up? Um, hmm. did I have any role models growing up? I was a pretty wild kid growing up, you know. I think I've really um what's the word I want to say? I've done a lot of growing myself as I've evolved, you know, and matured in life. Um did I have any role models? Gosh, I think I have more role models now. You want to hear a few now? That feels like so long ago. Okay, that's nice. Well, I just think there's some really great role models that I, you know, that inspire me. So people like Oprah Winfrey and Diana Nyad, who was the first... Um, woman and human actually to swim from Havana, Cuba to Key West without a shark tank. And she did that in her 60s after five failed attempts. Well, her fifth attempt, she did it. So, you know, there's just so many people that have, um, you know, done some great things in the world. And I think it just shows that they're not so much extraordinary people. They're just people who are doing extraordinary things. Absolutely. And I, and I, and I preach that for sure. Mm, yeah. That's a great message. Oh yes. What is the best way to start the morning? For me? Yeah. Well, the way that I start my morning is I usually just try to set myself up for success. So I have some reading that I like to do that kind of, you know, kind of gets my compass going straight. I like to journal. I like to kind of look at my day and visualize the outcome of things before it happens. So kind of scaffolding my day for success. So even knowing that I was going to be on the podcast today, having a vision of it being, you know, um, something that might touch another listener somewhere in the world and a good conversation with you. And uh, gratitude, just again, really looking at my global vision right now, you know, and having gratitude that it's on its way it's in the process i'm becoming nice thank you welcome would you rather speak all languages or talk to animals oh i'd rather speak all languages i yeah. would love to speak more than one language me too it'd be so easy too because at least you'll understand what everyone around the world is saying about one another all this man, so on and so forth. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. What do you What do you spend during your free time? What do I like to do on my free time? Yeah. Um. Well, I actually like to go for hikes, so I'm going to go for one today. Um. There's some shows that I like to. On TV, I'm not a big TV watcher, but there's a few that I like to watch. I also enjoy playing Rummy Cub. That's one of my um, guilty pleasures, which is a tile game. And uh, every once in a while, I can actually play it on my device. So I enjoy that. Um, just connecting with family and friends, I think. Um, 
Yeah, just reading. Mm. Is that all or is there more? Well, there's just lots of things. I think it depends on the day and it depends on, and I don't know if free time is considered absolutely like free time because I mean, there's things I do for fun, but that's kind of a scheduled thing. So it's not so much free time and, you know, like getting together with friends or um, I go to line dancing on Wednesdays, which I really enjoy. I go to a Spanish circle on Monday at my local library, which I really enjoy. So those are not so much free, I guess, as scheduled activities that I'm choosing to do because I enjoy them and I enjoy the people that I do them with. Okay. That's nice. What has been the longest that you've gone without doing anything? Well, I have gone to some meditation retreats over the years and, um, I don't know if you'd call that nothing. It's kind of an active state of nothingness, but, you know, being in a retreat where, yeah, there's no TV. I've been in silent retreats where you don't even have conversations with other people. You eat in silence. And I guess it's just really the opportunity to watch this crazy and wild mind of ours and where it goes and the rabbit holes it wants to go down and pulling myself back out of them. So probably like a, an organized retreat where I'm going and there's really no activity. It's just uh, one long meditation. Ah, yes. Fabulous. What is something people are always surprised to learn about you? Hmm. I think my age, which is great. I think most people think that I'm younger than I am. Um, even just people who have found out what I did this summer are amazed. I mean, I rode 1,780 kilometers on my bike. I'd never ridden, um, more than one day, not even a day. I'd never ridden more than a couple hours at a time before I embarked on this trip. I'd never ridden with a loaded bike, which entailed four panniers and about a hundred pounds in weight. And, uh, I never traveled in Ontario, which is one big province in Canada. So when people hear what I did, they're usually pretty impressed. And actually, when I talk about it, I'm pretty impressed that I did it too. So. Okay, great, great. And hmm. If you could live anywhere in the world for a year, where would it be? Oh boy. Hmm. You know, I had the opportunity to go to India um, a, a number of years ago, not terribly long, like within the last 12 years for, for six weeks. I think I, I think it'd be fascinating to go back and spend a year there because of um the number of areas that I'd still like to see there. Okay, fabulous. And did you know there are 7.7 .7 billion people on this planet, but there's only one of us? Yes, I did. Fantastic. 
And do you want to hear my interpretation of that? Go ahead. <laughs> Maybe we're on the same. And this is what I coach is that there's, I actually like to say there's almost 8 billion brains on the planet, but there's one, your universal mind. That's how I view it. And that when we can plug into that universal mind, our potential is phenomenal when we come from that kind of thinking. Okay. Yeah, I've never thought about, about that that way. I'd love to hear what you, well, I'd love to hear your interpretation of that, Peter. Uh, when you said there's only one one of us. Well, well, I mean, based on that, if it's like eight billion minds, then, I mean, you have to consider it's not just humans. There are animals as well. And this could expand to the trillions because you never might know how many, how many individual species or, or whatever are currently on this planet. So you also got to count the minds of the animal kingdom as well as the humans. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it, it just gets bigger and bigger when you think about it. Yeah, it sure does. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that is all we have for this episode. It was great having you here, Lynn, uh, talking about your work as an author, how you travel 2,000 kilometers on a bike, and, well, a lot of other things. It's been amazing. Thank you. And again, if uh, people want to look up my book, it's just called What If You Could. Um, my website is Lynn, L-Y-N-N-E, Harley, H-A-R-L-E-Y.com. There's links. The book can be purchased anywhere in the world now. And a portion of each book I sell will go to support youth mental health in the world. Incredible. And until next time, stay opinionated. <laughs>